out your message notes. Over the last three weeks, we've been talking about detoxing and how we remove toxic substances out of our lives. And we focused on three major areas, our spirit, our soul, and our body. And it really has been a great time of resetting and seeing some major change in our life. And I hope you've been praying and really seeking God. And uh, it, it really has been just this sweet season. But I want us to now begin to focus on relationships. So when we talked about detox, a lot of it, it was what you needed to do. And it was all about me and how I can help improve these environments. But today I want to talk about the power of relationships. The power of relationships. See, we, we've got to know that we deal with ourselves and we can detox ourselves. But then there comes a point where I have to choose to be engaged in people's lives. And that there is a power in that engagement in the life of people. And so we are instituting today the, the whole small group signups. You're out there. You're like, my God, there's, flyer, there's flags. And you should have gotten a small group's brochure. And you got people wearing community all on their, their shirts. And you're, you're like, man, what did I walk into? Well, you walked into an environment where we're going to inspire you to engage in relationships. And, and let me tell you here at the church, we're not a church with small groups. We're a church of small groups. And we're not trying to get you busy. How many need something else to do in your life? You're like, I'm so bored. I just want one more thing. You know, no, no. Everybody's busy, right? So, so what we're doing is we're creating an opportunity for you to really live the God life that he's called us to live. And the way he created us was in such a way that we would live in community, that we would have relationships and we wouldn't live in these isolated islands. And when I look at people who don't have friendships, that don't have relationships, don't have community, when I look at their life, many times it's because they've been hurt. There's pain associated with, with a relationship. And so they feel like it's better if I don't have anybody uh, versus having people that are going to hurt me. But I have to, as your pastor, help you know that God intended for you to have a relationship, not only with one person or two people, but with communities of people. And it's in those relationships that we can live the life God created us to live. Why? Because even at the youngest of age, did you know relationships matter? I was reading an article in Forbes, and it was very interesting. It talked about the dangers of institutionalized care. I don't know if you saw the article. It was just a couple of weeks ago. And, and so as I was reading it, it was very interesting. It started to talk about how children, infants, in orphanages... They have all kinds of problems when they don't get touched or loved in the normal way that babies get touched and loved. And so it was talking about the dangers of institutionalized care. So you can have an infant in an environment that's safe. They can feed them. They can change their diaper. But if they don't get touched, if they don't get cuddled and held and talked to and loved, then there are problems that happen with those babies. They call it a failure to develop problem where in their lives, the statistic is that one in three, 37% of babies that have institutionalized care, they, they, they end up dying. Like, like, like they're getting fed, their diapers changed, it's a safe environment, and yet the doctors in the study goes back to the 1940s, the doctors are like, why in the world are so many of these babies dying? And they diagnosed it's a failure to thrive. The babies need nurturing. They need love. They need to be touched. It's not just providing in the physical. There are emotional needs that if they don't have met, they will literally die. 
And so what happens with us as adults is that we don't have this failure to thrive as an infant, but as an adult, I've been hurt, I've been wounded, and so we're big enough now that we can convince ourselves we don't need people. We buy the lie of the enemy, and so we just kind of exist, and we, what I like to say is cope. Like your life has no real bridges of friendships and relationships. Yeah, you may come to church and yeah, you may, you may visit a family member here and there. But if it really came down to who you have a relationship with, you'd have to say nobody. And then it's even worse when you get married and you think that spouse is going to fulfill that need. And then you realize that married people have problems. That person that you thought was your prince charming or your, your wonderful princess, they got problems, they got hurts and habits and hangups just like you. And so now you're living with somebody and you still don't have community. And so we have to address all of those areas in our life and say, listen, I'm telling you that if I will focus on relationships, and I'll talk a little bit about it in the service, that matter to me, that are important to me, as well as build other life-giving relationships, my life will be different. Why? Because God created us to live in community. You were never created to do life alone. And it is people, not events and things that will change your life. So, so let me just give you an example here. Tell me the five best messages that I preach that impacted your life. You're like, I don't even know what you preached last weekend, Pastor. <laughs> so why? Because it was an event. But now let me ask you this question. Give me the names of five people that have impacted your life. You probably rat them off right now. Boom. Why? Because it's relationships, not events. And sometimes we can come to church and we can get blessed by a message, but if we don't live in relationship, that message will never be worked on the inside of us. And so then we, we're, we're, we're lulled to sleep and we cope in our life. And we're like, but pastor's message was good. Yeah, it was good. But at the end of the day, can we work it out with one another? Can we talk about it? Can we discuss it? Can we live life together? Because in community, that's where we have discovery of the truths of God's word. It's in community. Look at what the apostle Paul said. He says, and let us consider how to stir one another on in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. So he's let us consider how to stir one another uh, to love and good works. So we're going to stir one another. You can't stir one another if you're living isolated. Stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Isn't that interesting? It's the habit of some people to get out of community and meeting together. And, and the reason I believe it is because life gets busy. That we believe this lie that I can make it on my own or maybe people aren't safe and there are some people that are not safe. But the reality is this, we were called to spur one another on. We were called to meet together and not just in a large group setting but in small group settings where we will encourage one another. And all of this as you see the day drawing near. So what's Paul saying? Build relationships. He's saying build community. Don't neglect the most important thing. Listen, you've got to make sure that you're focusing on what matters most. You've got to create healthy environments where you can grow. Why? Because we're going to stir one another on to love. Everybody say love. Come on, say it louder. Say love. So, so we're going to stir one another on to love because isn't that what the Bible is all about? Really, when you look at, at the next verse, John chapter 13, verse uh, 35, it says, but this, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. By your theology. No, no. No, no, no. By your education. No, no. What's it say? By your what? 
by your love. But you can't love people in isolation. How many know that love is more than just words? Love has to be demonstrated. Love has to be felt in community. It's one-on-one. It's, it's not way out there. It's close and personal with people. That's how you demonstrate the love of God to those around you. And so the enemy would love for us to isolate ourselves, but we've got to get close to people. We've got to be physically present in the world. We've got to do life with people. You can impress people from a distance, but you can only impact them up close. And I don't know about you, but I don't want a church where we're just impressing people. I want to impact people. I want to live around a few people. You know, I can't live with everybody, but I'm going to get in a small group. I'm going to get in a community, and I'm going to say, listen, you talk to me about what's going on in your life. Listen, I'll tell you what's happening in my life. And together, listen, it ain't about impressing each other. It's about impacting each other. That's what the church is all about, building the community so that people are there for your big days and your bad days. That's the way I look at it. Listen, I can't do life with everybody, but I need a group of people that you're there for me in my big days and you're there for me in my bad days. So when I'm celebrating something that's super great, I want you there. When I'm walking through something that's really bad, I want you there as well. I mean, that's the way the gospel was really set up. If you think about it, it's a messed up mentality that says, listen, when I'm in the hospital, the pastor better come visit me. Can I just break that paradigm? My heart, I would love to visit every person in this church. Do you know that it is impossible to visit every person in this church? The Bible's not set up in such a way that only the apostles went to go visit those in church, I mean, in the hospital. No, it was set up in such a way that Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another. Bear each other. That when we live in community, in my bad days, you're going to be there. When I'm in the hospital, guess who's going to visit you? Your small group. The people you've been doing life with, you say, well, I was in the hospital and nobody came to visit me. You know what I would say? Is you've probably not gotten yourself involved in a small group full of people and dug into their lives. I always find this for me. Whenever I feel like people aren't doing something that I want, something that I feel like I need, what I do is say, have I done what they need? Have I been a part of their life? Because I promise you this, you go visit them in the hospital, they're going to come visit you in the hospital. And there's this mentality. Come on. (laughs) I'll let you... Because this mentality is like, I'm a victim, like they didn't, they wouldn't know. But the reality is, did you build the relationships that would have that? Because if you're going to put it up to the pastor, the biggest the church can get is about 40 to 50 people. That's about all one person can handle. If he's really good, he'd get about 80, 90. Can I tell you, that's not God's model. God never intended for the weight of the church to be built on one man. God intended for the church to have hundreds of shepherds, people that would be in community and live life with one another and say, hey, listen, I'm going to shepherd you. We're going to do this community thing, and together we're going to reach the world. That's the church. It's it's given away the power of like it's all about one man. No, my job is to inspire you. My job, as the Bible says, is to equip you for the working of ministry. So I'm an equipper. What's that? Hey, listen, you got to focus on community. Why? Because it's in community. You meet people's needs. Hey, look, I'm going to equip you. How do you do it? Go sign up. Like, I'm going to equip you for what you need to do. And then it's the job of the church to engage in the mission of Christ. That we engage in the mission of Christ. And that's what I I love our worship team. How many appreciate our worship team? 
Jeremiah does such an amazing job shepherding them and, and being with them. And one of the things I love about our worship team is they're not just musicians for hire. That they have a mentality, you know, sometimes you can go somewhere and it's like, well, I'll show up, it's a gig. No, baby, this ain't a gig, this is a family. And the way we've set it up is this, they're pastored and shepherded throughout the entire week. They spend practice together. Listen, the worship team goes out to eat together. They go to the movies together. They hang out together. They're building community together. Why? Because that's the way God intended it to be. And then last year, uh, Justin, the drummer, he was graduating from uh, college, and it was a big, big day, and he just mentioned to the team, hey, man, man, I'd love for you guys, I'm graduating. And here's the amazing thing. It, it wasn't just like, hey, good luck. And how many know graduations? Can we just be honest? <laughs> Ain't nobody want to be at a graduation, but we love you. You know what I mean? Come on, like get your cap in. Now, if you're graduating, you're like, oh. I did it. I can't believe they passed me. But everybody else, ain't nobody want to be there. But did you know the whole worship team, whether they wanted to be there or not, they lined up an entire row. And so here he is. They call his name, Justin Thomas. And everybody's like, what in the world? Why? Because they had a family that was celebrating a big day. That's what community does. They didn't have to invite the whole church. They just said, hey, this is my family. Can we do life together? And, and this is what I'd say, do you have a family? Now, I'm not talking about just by blood. There's the family by blood and family by choice, and I think you need both. So it's God. I, I just, I'm, I'm going to realize the value of it. So, so here's my question, if you could just ponder. Do you have people in your life to celebrate your big days? Do you have people in your life to comfort you in your bad days? And if the answer is no, then we've got, we've got some solutions at the end of this message, some things I'm going to talk to you about. How do you do it? How do you get there? Because at the end of the day, that's the biblical model of Christianity. God gave us relationships to encourage us, to encourage us. That it's the people around us that encourage us to go further and faster to do things we thought we could never do. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you are doing. So build each other up, encourage each other. How many like to be encouraged? Like, how many know we ought to give our young people and our children some attaboys? Good job, girl. You can do it. And, you know, we're just praising them and encourage. How many older people, more mature people, you like to be encouraged? So, so like, I don't know if that's a compliment. Oh, so, so mature people, yeah, no matter how old you get, how many know we love compliments? And we love to be encouraged, and you can do this, you got this, all right, you make it. Man, you're the man. How many you need a relationship? So, you're the man, your, your wife, you're the man. My little daughter, we were barbecuing just uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we were making some burgers, and, you know, it was awesome. We lit the grill, and, I mean, it wasn't no McDonald's hamburger. I mean, you make it about an inch and a half thick, and I mean, it's got to be done just right about a medium well, and big, thick patties, and we had baked beans, and sweet potato fries, and we had salad for my wife, and I mean, it was just awesome, and <laughs> so, so we make these plates, and me and my boys, we all got these big burgers, and Phyllis loves burgers as well, and we got lettuce, and tomatoes, and we got mayonnaise, and mustard, and ketchup, and you know, I'm thinking everything's good, and Phyllis, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, what? She said, we need pickles. All you pickle lovers out there. And 
Yeah, yeah, like, and not just the little pickles, but the big fat pickles. Like, man, this is, that's a real pickle. So she goes out into the refrigerator and she pulls out a jar of pickles and it's, it's a brand new jar. And so she sits down and we're all about to eat and we hadn't prayed yet because our, 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 we, we wait till all the food is out and everybody's ready. And so we're just looking at mom and she's got the jar and she's trying to open it. And, and then she kind of smiles and she tries to open it again. And Caden, my 10-year-old, he just busts out a pop. <laughs> Mom, just give me that jar. And, you know, he's getting a little bit older and stronger. And so she slides the jar down to Caden. And so then Caden gets it and he's, he's laughing. He's got this glare in his eyes. And, 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 oh. and then now we're all kind of chuckling. We're like, all right. And Carson's like, bro, give me the thing. Carson's my eight-year-old. He's like, just give me the pickles. And so Caden's like, yeah, I've already loosened it for you. And he's... he's and now everybody, it's just really comical. We're all laughing, and, and, and I'm just laughing. I said, come on, Carson. Come on, Carson. And uh, he said, you try it, Dad. And they slide the pickles. And, you know, if you know Addison, she's a little cheerleader. She's like, go, Daddy. Go, Daddy. Go, Daddy. And I'm thinking, man, this is no big deal. Like, it's just a jar of pickles. So I get it. And, I, and so I did. And I just, <laughs> I'm just playing with you. And then I did what every good man would do. Hey, listen. My hands are slipping. <laughs> just give me a towel. Like, just give me a towel. Like, we're good. Like, like, this is the jar of pickles that will never open. And they go, give me a towel. And I got that knife. How many of you know the knife trick? Just pop it. Like, I'm going to beat this thing and just get the little towel. And my little girl's like, go, Daddy. Go, Daddy. You can do it, Daddy. You can do it. And I'm like, I can do it. I can open this jar. And I popped the lid off. Dad was the hero. But I liked encouragement. I mean, even in the small things, we love encouragement. No matter what it is. Why? Because that's the way God created it. That if you're trying to open a pickle jar or if you're trying to reach your family, you need people around you saying, come on, you can do it. Come on, you got this. Don't let that little thing beat you. God's created you for more than what you're living in now. You can do it. Come on. That's relationships. They encourage us. God wants us to live that way and to have life full of encouragement because of the relationships we have. And then ultimately, we know this. You hear me say this all the time. We have relationships so that we can experience healing. It really is about healing. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. So we're confessing our sins. We're talking about life, how good or how hard, how great or how not so great. And, and then we're praying for one another. And it says, that you may be, everybody say it. Everybody say it again. That you may be healed. Healing. Healing will never happen by yourself. Forgiveness happens when we confess to God, but God created it in a system that we would need one another, that there would be an acceptance of one another's faults, that no matter how bad our life was or how good it was, that as we would get real with each other and take off the mask, true healing would happen in our life. A couple of semesters ago, Phyllis and I were leading a life small group, and uh, we had already been through life, which is our living in freedom every day small group closes the door on the past and it opens up the door of the future. And so we had already been through it. We led one and now we were leading our second one and it's got curriculum. And so if I have to just be honest, I'm like, well, this is, I got this. I mean, I, I know this and can I just be a little transparent with you guys? So yes or no? 
Okay. Kind of went quiet on me. Like, what you going to talk about? I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Don't get quiet on me. So I was sitting around the table, and we'd invited, uh, there were nine people, ten people around my dinner table. And so we're sitting there, and we're going through it. It's about the fifth week of the, the life curriculum. And I don't even know what, what we were talking about, to be honest with you, but someone was talking, and just she was sharing her heart, and then another couple began to talk about what they were going through. And I was just listening, and really in small groups, the leaders are not there to preach to you. How I many know oh, you don't need another sermon? Can I get an amen? You're like, I got podcasts. I don't need another sermon. Like, like at the end of the day, but what you do need is you need a facilitator to ask questions. And so that we were asking questions. But the amazing thing is this. I wasn't even going through it. I was facilitating it. And as someone was talking, I had a breakthrough in my small group around my dinner table listening to someone else's conversation. God began to speak to me. And I, I had this heaviness on the inside of me. And I couldn't put my finger on it. And I just, you know, the church is doing great. I mean, you guys can see it. It's, but, you know, there's a lot of pressure with that. I mean, we, we've blown up and things are happening. And if I have to be honest, I began to believe this lie that I didn't even know about. And, and it had been, I don't even know where it was implanted into my heart. But, but the lie was this, God loves you based on your performance. And you say, oh, you're the No, no. It, I don't even know where. And so we were talking. And so my performance, what, what, I, what I wrestled with was when the church is doing great because it has seasons. Like it's blowing up. And then there would be a season where people were leaving or something happened in a plateau. I found that I equated God's love for me based on how well I was doing for his kingdom. Based on the production. Based on the people we were seeing saved and set free and delivered. And do you know that that is a heavy weight to be under? And in that moment, I just, I just realized, I was like, God, if the church were to dissolve today, you still love me. God, if not one more person came to the church, God, if I moved to another state, God, the, the point is this, and it's not going to dissolve. There's none of those things going to happen. But the point that God was telling me was this, it is never based on what you do. It's based on who you are. And Jim, I love you. Man, I began to weep. And, and, you know, Phil and Laura were here. They were in that small group. And I began to weep, not just weep, but uncontrollably weep. I, I, I was almost embarrassed. Just, you know, you kind of, and I felt like God said, see, healing comes. We were not, it, it, I was listening to a conversation, being real with people, not even expecting it. And God just, he healed my heart. And I can tell you from that moment on, I have never dealt with that. I think we all fight and there's layers. You know, our lives are like an onion. So there's layers that God peels back. And this is what I know. Just like me experiencing freedom, experiencing healing, the only way you're going to experience that, God peeling back the layers of your life, is when you get in community with people that you're willing to be honest with and you're willing to share everything with them so they can help you move forward in your life. I realized that day this. If you're not willing to be real, you'll never fully heal. And we all at points have masks in our lives. And so we've got to say, and, and I just made this commitment. I'm going to be a real person. 
Listen, I walk through things. Sometimes I tell you the struggles that I'm going through. And the reason I do that is because we all have struggles. And if you can get some comfort out of my pain, if you can get some growth out of what I've walked through, then together let's walk where God wants us to be, which is healed healers healing others. I feel like that's the problem with the church today is we got broken people that are hurt that have never been healed and we're trying to go to the world that's broken and don't even know how to heal ourselves and we're trying to heal them. God, let us be healed healers. I mean, when you think about this, isn't that why the devil would try to destroy relationships? Isn't that why he would say, listen, don't join that church or don't be a part of that community. Don't go to that small group. Oh, nobody will ever love you. They're not going to accept you. He's going to lie to you, tell you you're too busy. No, baby, you will never just find time casually. You got to make time. Yeah, you're busy, but you're never too busy for the important things. And so you just say, man, I'm not going to believe the lie. I can make this a priority. The devil would love for us to come in each and every week. And listen, it's great. It's awesome to come worship together. But can I tell you, these messages will never bring the healing that God wants to bring to your life. What they'll do is they'll inspire us to go outside these four walls and then live it out in community. And then that's where healing. And then we come back and we worship corporately. Like, God, it's, it's awesome. Every week I'm getting better. Every week I'm being healed. Why? Because we choose to intentionally live in community. We have to choose. We have to choose. And, and then, you know, you got to choose the right relationships. How many know you've got some bad relationships and you got good relationships? you got to choose the ones that are leading you towards God and reject those that are pulling you away from God. I believe this, that relationships determine your destiny. Show me your friends and I'll show you your destiny. In fact, one study showed that you're the sum of the five closest friends that you have. So take a circle, put you in the middle, and then put lines to five of your closest friends. And statistics show you're the sum of those relationships. You're the sum. So, so if they're leading towards God or they're pulling you away from God, whatever direction, you're the sum of those relationships. Look at what Proverbs 27, 19 says. It backs it up. It says, a mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like... So you like, like mirror reflection, but you want to know what a person is really like? It's shown by the kind of friends he chooses. See, you could fake people from a distance, but when you get in close and personal, you want to look at, you, look at their friends. Who are they hanging out with? Who is it that you call your best friends, you're doing life with, and that'll show where you're at in your life. So what do you want to do? You want to hang out with the right people. That's what Proverbs 13, 20 says. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Suffers harm. So you want to be wise, you want to move in the right direction, hang out with people that are going in the right direction. So we got to make some relationship decisions. So this morning, what do you do? You got to make some decisions. You got to say, listen, I realize the value of relationships, but it's like pastor said, I can't choose your relationships. You've got to choose them. You've got to be intentional. You're the one that's going to have to make the decision to either move forward with what I'm sharing or to stay where you're at in your life. And the first decision you've got to make is you've got to remove toxic relationships. Remove them. You got to remove them. You know, we just came out of the series Detox. The relationships in your life that are pulling you back, you've got to remove them. You've got to be intentional about cutting them off. Sometimes it's easy to avoid people than to confront people. Can I get an amen? It's like, no, I'm just, no, no, I'm good. I just, I won't hang out with them. No, you may need to send a text right now and say, it's over. What's over? Our relationship is over. Now? Yes. Why? Because pastor said so. 
I'm not kidding. Some of you, listen, I know right now, God, I feel like the Lord is speaking. Somebody's got an inappropriate relationship with someone of the opposite sex. Whether it's sexual or not doesn't matter, but God has spoken to you about it, and this is the problem. You haven't broke it off. You haven't been intentional. You haven't intentionally removed them out of your life, and you wonder why you're stuck, and you keep going back into the old things. So you got to break it up. What do you mean? You got to tell them it's over. Listen, I love you. God bless you. But I cannot go around you anymore. Why? Because I've got to make a quality decision that I'm going to move forward in my walk with God. And I promise you this. Somebody would say, well, listen, who's going to share the gospel? He's got a lot of missionaries in the mission field at their workplace. In the field. Other people can do it. You've got to go and flee and get out of that relationship. Intentionally remove yourself out of this toxic relationship. I mean, we talked about it, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14. We, it was the whole theme verse of this toxic series. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? None. So you want to move forward? you got to remove the toxic relationships in your life. The second decision you've got to make is you need to nurture important relationships. You've got to nurture important relationships. Listen, it doesn't do us any good to go out and get into small groups when your marriage is failing. Can I get an amen? I mean, it doesn't do you any good to say, I'm going to go outside these four walls and I'm going to have some of the best friends and your kids are lost, they're confused, your family is falling apart. What I say is this, why don't we do both? Can, can we do both? Can we say, hey, listen, we're going to nurture those around me as we expand our relationships that God is bringing into our life. And so I'm just choosing to say, God, I'm going to focus on my marriage. There is nobody in the world that can do what your husband or your wife does. Yeah, but he, they just don't understand. No, it didn't start off that way. How many remember when he was Mr. Right? He was Prince Charming. And now all of a sudden, he's the worst thing you've ever seen in your life. Do you think that got there by accident? Or do you think the enemy tried to destroy the relationship because he knows the power of a marriage? So you say, I'm going to nurture this. What does it mean? Go out on a date with your spouse. Invest time with them, with your kids. Listen, go to the football games. Go to the soccer games. Say, listen, we're going to spend time together. Turn off the television. If you need mentors or you've got a mentor and you stop letting them speak into your life, go back to that mentor and say, listen, I want to restore this relationship. No relationship ever stays the same. It's either pulling away or it's getting close. There's no neutral relationship. And so you say, I'm just going to nurture. I'm going to make sure I'm focusing on my marriage, on my kids, on the people God has brought into my life, on my family. I'm going to nurture it. Why? It's a decision you have to make. God created us to live with one another, not isolated. So we got to go back and say, I'm going to nurture the most important people God's brought to me. And then the third thing is this. We got to initiate life-giving relationships. Just got to initiate them. Listen, you will never feel comfortable in new environments. Like sometimes people are like, well, you know, man, I'm just afraid. Well, it's a new environment. Do you know when you walk into a new environment, there's going to be a little anxiety? There's always a little bit of fear. When, when we pray that scripture, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love, of sound mind, and self-discipline. How many have ever prayed that scripture? How many have ever said, okay, God, I'm ready for the fear to leave? And how many have never had the fear leave? What, what, what I find is this, we have to learn to do it afraid. 
So that scripture didn't say do it when you don't feel afraid. The scripture said God didn't give you that spirit. God didn't give you the spirit to stay afraid, to be worried, to be concerned. No, no. God gave you a spirit of power, which means when you feel fear, I can take a step of faith. When I feel fear, I can take a step knowing that God's going to catch me. Not that I wait till there's no fear, but I do it afraid. And then I find this, when I do it, the fear leaves. The Bible says faith without works is dead. So sometimes it's like, well, God, I'm afraid that they're going to reject me. No, no. If the devil is speaking that to you, that's because your breakthrough is on the other side of relationship. He knows that if you would step out, you know, we got 42, 42 different small groups that are launching today. They're out there. We've got men's groups and women's groups and marriage groups. And, and, and so this is what I would say. If I'm the sum of the five closest people in my life, I want to look at where I want to go and I want to invite new people to help me get there. So if you want a better marriage, join a marriage small group. Why? Because they're going to encourage you. Yeah, but my marriage is not perfect. Welcome to the club. <laughs> well, we just fought out in the parking lot. Welcome to the club. Like, why do you think you fight in the parking lot? Like, you go to a football game, there's not one fight. Why? Not, it, because the devil ain't concerned about that. But you get to church, and it's like World War III. And then what we do is we believe the lie that, no, everybody's marriage is perfect. Ours is just falling apart. What well, ain't falling apart, number one. Nobody else's marriage is perfect, number two. And if you'll just get real, maybe God will heal you, number three. And if you want to be a better man, get in the men's small group. Listen, you may say, I got all these things covered. I got a great family. Got a... Maybe you need to get in shape. Maybe you're like me, started a New Year's resolution to lose 20 pounds, and now it's 30. <laughs> Join a fitness small group. We got fitness boot camps. We got talking about how to eat and all, nutrition. Don't get in the baking one. There's one that's baking, and that's, that's not the one. <laughs> That's going to do the opposite. No, don't let, listen, join the baking, give it all away. But what's the point? You got initiated. You say, well, nobody visits me in the hospital. You got initiated. Nobody would ever go to my graduation. You got initiated. The days of saying it's up to one person. Listen, our church is way too big. It's way too big for 20, 50 people. I mean, it, is, it takes an army of people just to live life in community to meet each other's needs and say, God, we choose to make relationships a priority.